0: I want to just uh, kind of pick up where we left off last week. We've been in this teaching series from the book of Jonah uh, called The Story of Jonah, Man on the Run. Uh, If you'd like to look at a Bible, uh, we we have some Bibles that are kind of scattered around. They might be hard to find since we're out at the park. They're under some of the chairs. Also, if you want to visit jointheventure.com slash park. Just our website, jointheventure.com slash park. Uh, all the scripture I'm going to use today will be on that page. Of course, you could also use a Bible app or something. Um, so it'll all be available there for you. But we'll be in the book of Jonah, and we'll be wrapping up the whole series today uh, in chapter 4. But if you missed a couple of weeks, let me just catch you up because it's, it's a crazy story. When you think about the story of Jonah, even if you've never been in church before, this is your first time at a church service, maybe you've heard the story of Jonah. What's the very first thing that comes to your mind normally? A big fish, a whale, right? And what we've learned over the course of this series is that this isn't a story about a big fish. This is a story about a big God. It's a story about what God does with a man who runs from him. And so we've been watching this guy Jonah for three chapters run from God. Chapter one, he ran away from God. And so he was like, God God said, hey, I want you to go do this thing for me. I want you to travel to the city of Nineveh. I've got a message I need you to deliver. He said, heck no, I'm not going. I'm not going. So he hops on the first boat to Tarshish, as far away as he could possibly travel, across the Mediterranean Sea. He's trying to get away from God. Uh, he's running from God. That's chapter one. But in chapter two, God catches up with him. We learned in that week that you can't run from God. Uh, he already knows where you're going. Uh, so, um, but he's, uh, he's on his way running from God. There's a storm. He ends up getting thrown off the ship into the water, and we find him in chapter two in the belly of this fish where he's saying this prayer, and in that prayer, we learned a lot of things that week, man. But the thing that that really stuck with me the most is that it's never too late to pray. No matter how far you've run away, no matter how far you've fallen, it's never too late to reach out to God. And that was week two. Last week was where we uh, checked into Jonah as he finally, he's run away from God. He's run back to God as he prays. God gives him grace and he gets out of that fish just, just miraculously. And then he ends up in chapter three, he's going to run with God. He's like, all right, God, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. And we learned last week as he goes to Nineveh, uh, he, he begins to preach to these people. And the whole city decides, okay, we're going to turn to God. He preaches a Sermon of a Lifetime, and these people say, okay, we, we want to turn to God, and that was him running uh, with God. And so, done a lot of running. Now, here's the thing. When I was a kid, I used to read these uh, Choose Your Own Adventure books. You remember those books? Uh, and so, it's like, if, if you're reading the book, and it's like, if you would like for Sally and Johnny to uh, open the box, turn to page 18, right? Like, oh, I'd love to see what's in the box, <laughs> 18. Or, on the bottom of the page, you say, or if you would like for Susan and John not to open the box, but instead there's a mysterious knock at the door. And they don't get to open the doc- box because they're, conf- they're you know, distracted by the knock at the door. And then I'm like, oh, I'd like to see what happens. Okay, if you'd like to do that, turn to page eight. And so you choose your own adventure. I remember once, uh, I was probably 10 years old, and I had this uh, Batman choose your own adventure book. And uh, I got to some point in the story where it ended where Batman was like captured by Joker, and he didn't get away. And I'm like, that's not how it is. There's no way that's how it is. But it's choose your own adventure. So I'm like, I must have done something wrong. So I'm like flipping back. I choose a different adventure and Batman won. And so, but life isn't like that, right? If Jonah was a choose your own adventure book, by the time you get to the end of chapter three, I, here's what I would imagine would happen at the end of chapter 3. Okay, Remember, he just had this experience of a lifetime. He's been on this amazing journey. He's been inside the belly of a fish. He's traveled you know, thousands of miles all over to and away from God. And, and now he's finally back at Nineveh. He preaches this sermon of a lifetime. The whole city, even the king, turns to God. And if it's to choose your own adventure book, I'm thinking the rest of the story goes something like this. And then Jonah falls on his knees and he's like, oh, thank you, God. You're such a great, amazing God. Thank you for being so graceful and allowing me to be a part of this. And then I'm thinking like, maybe a Ninevite runs up with a big cooler Gatorade, dumps it on you know, Jonah's head. And he's like, oh, and they're like dancing in the street, like Usain Bolt won the 100 meter. And then like, you know, everybody's excited, right? That's how I imagine. Then Jonah, he buys this nice little cottage in the woods outside of Nineveh because he's gonna stay and help these people learn more about God. That's what I would like to see happen at the end of the book of Jonah. But if you read ahead, Spoiler alert, this dude Jonah, who's on the run, he's not done running. He's not finished. And when you get to chapter four, let's just check out what happens. Remember, you can look at this uh, scripture if you don't have a Bible with you at jointheventure.com slash park. Just scroll down a little bit. And you'll see that in Jonah chapter four and verse one, this is the first words. It says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. (sighs) Jonah. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold off on the Gatorade just a minute, right? Because Jonah's not happy. I think you would want to be happy. Jonah just preached this message, and they listened to him, and they did what he said he, they should do. What's going on? So, so let's keep reading and figure out kind of what's going on with Jonah. Chapter 4, verse 2, it says, he prayed to the Lord. This is what Jonah's saying to God. He says, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That's what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sin and calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. No Gatorade in this story. Jonah is, is upset. He's heartbroken. And he's like, God, look, this is why I ran from you in the first place, because I didn't want these people to be forgiven. I didn't want them to listen to you. This is exactly what I thought was going to happen if I went. And he's finally, he says, if you're not going to kill them, kill me. I'm, I've had it, God. I'm done. And, and this seems a little bit strange for an Old Testament prophet to say. You think about these great like people who are like religious leaders, and you think, oh, surely they would do the right thing. But remember, Jonah, just like every other religious leader, was just a man. And he had his own issues going on. Truthfully, I think that what happened with Jonah is something that very much easily happens with us every single day. See, the Ninevites were a people that Jonah really disliked. He disliked them because of their evil. And probably too, Jonah was a little bit full of himself because he was a Jew. And the Jews, they believed, man, nobody needs to hear about our God except for us. So why would we want to tell them? A little bit cocky in that way, a little bit racist in that way. And I think in our own lives, we find it really easy to really want God in our own lives. And we want His grace, man. And we're so thankful. Hey, we, we serve a God. We, we got up on this thing. We were God-chasing grace-shaped love agents. And that grace-shaped piece is, we say that as a church, you know, we, we come into this life and you can get shaped by a lot of things in your life. You're out, you're, you're, your upbringing and your your income and your education. There's all these things that can shape you. But we want to be a people that are shaped by God's grace. And we want that for us, right? But maybe not for those people because there are some people like on that part of town or from that you know cultural group or ethnic group or that socioeconomic place or from that language group or from that religious group and those people we want to put a little asterisk beside the word grace like I mean, i'm not sure i mean it's, it's a lot of work to really get over there and it's kind of dangerous and i don't know if i'm really can talk to them and so i don't know how i feel about it and so i mean think of the world we live in today right we're, we're living in the middle of the second civil rights movement and the craziness is breaking out. And why is it? I think it's because many people like to put an asterisk beside grace. And we say, I want forgiveness for me. I want goodness for me, but not for them. Because they're different. And that's what we find Jonah doing. Jonah's angry. He's angry at God. He's angry that God forgave them the Ninevites. He just can't deal with it. And this is the huge surprise of the book of Jonah. Remember last week, if you were here last week, we talked about how Jonah went to the city and he preached this really short sermon. It was 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. That was his sermon. He goes to the Ninevites, 40 days and you'll be destroyed. And last week, as you heard that, if you were here, you might've thought, well, and certainly Jonah wouldn't want them to be destroyed, right? Certainly he would want them to turn to God. But here's the big secret of the book of Jonah. Jonah did not want them to turn to God. Jonah wanted them to be destroyed because they weren't his people. His biggest sin maybe wasn't running from God as much as it was prejudice and favoritism. So as he makes his confession to God, he says, this is why I ran away in the first place. You know, I'm not here to make a political statement. I will never disgrace the honor of this platform or any other church place to, to get on some soapbox and talk about something that's not God's love related. Uh, and so I'm, that's not what I'm doing right now. But... What I see Jonah doing here is something that I see everywhere I look today in our society. And and it's not that it's a political issue or a social issue or an economic issue. It's more than that. This is a spiritual issue. This is at the heart of who we are. This is us deciding, you know, am I going to really, really understand that there is something beyond this world? Or is it going to be all about me the spiritual issue, and every week we say that we've got to go shine the light of God into the dark places, right? You hear that a lot. Want to go shine light in dark places, shine light in dark places. That's what Christianity's all for. But let's be honest, there are some places that in our minds are just too dark for us to go. Ah, I'm just not interested to go there or then or with those people. Like I just don't know that I can handle that. And we decide to put ourselves in the role of God and we decide who should hear about his love and who should not. And so maybe you're doing that a little bit in your life right now. Maybe, maybe you're a runner and you're running ahead of God a little bit. You can run away from God. You can run back to God. You can run with God, kind of do what He's doing, or you can run ahead of God and you can say, "Look, it's my show." And that's where we find Jonah running today. Um, you would think that a man who had so recently been shown God's grace—remember, he was just in the belly of a fish—you would think that that dude would be like, "You know what? Forgiveness for everybody. <laughs> I still smell like fish." You're forgiven too. But how quickly we forget. So let's just keep reading his story. We're in verse four. And Jonah's like, you know, I'm so angry. You should just kill me instead. This is what we find in verse four. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry at me? That's God asking Jonah a straight up question. If you've ever been mad at God, I'm just going to pose this question to you. Don't get mad at me. This is God saying it. This is just a question. Is it right that you... Be mad at me. Let's see how he plays it out with Jonah. Jonah's upset. He's acting like a little four-year-old. He's like crossed his arms. He's sit down. He's poked out his bottom lip. And it says in verse 5, Jonah goes out. He sits down at a place east of the city where he then made himself a shelter. And he sat in the shade and he waited to see what would happen to the city. I think Jonah's still hoping that maybe the city's still going to be destroyed. Because he had just preached that message, hey, 40 days in the city to be destroyed. He's probably like, Checking, according to my time, it's not quite 40 days yet. Maybe God's still going to destroy the city. So he's setting up a little, a little bench out there. Maybe he's selling lemonade. I don't know what he's doing out there. And he's just waiting. I don't know if you imagine these giant rocks fall from heaven or lightning or there's going to be fire. I don't know what Jonah's waiting for. But it says he's sitting and he's waiting to see what's going to happen. Now, you've got to remember that the place where Nineveh is is where modern-day Iraq is. And you think a lot about that place. I'll tell you one thing I know about that place. That place is hot. As hot as like, like Wilmington. Okay, it's, it's hot in that place. Okay, it's, it's hot out there in Nineveh. And so, um, while he's out there being hot, it's interesting what God does. That God's about to unfold a little, a little metaphor, a little parable for Jonah. Check how this plays out. Look at verse 6. Jonah chapter 4, verse 6. It says, Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort. Wasn't that nice of God? Just just for a second. Most of you are sitting in some shade. The few of you who aren't, uh, you you feel the difference? And you know that moment where you're like, God's provided this shade. Listen to this. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. That's like one of the greatest uh, little statements in the Bible. Jonah was very happy about the plant. But that's not all. God's not done with this lesson that he's got to teach Jonah. So in verse 7, it says, But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed on the plant. So it withered and when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Man, Jonah's just like, he's, he's feeling kind of suicidal and unstable here. Like this is the second time in this passage he said he would want to die. Uh, God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry at me about this plant? It sound familiar, right? He says the same thing again. Is it right for you to be angry at me? Um, and Jonah, like the four-year-old that he's being, he's got his arms crossed, his big lip is poked out. He's like, mm, And this is what he says. It is. I'm angry and I wish I were dead. We know, Jonah. We know. You wish you were dead. Like, stop it. What's going on here? It's a pretty weird scene. Admittedly, this is a weird scene. You've got to remember, this is also the book where the same guy got swallowed by a big fish. Okay, so there's weird stuff in this book. Sometimes there's weird stuff that we don't understand in the Bible. And I think it's easy, I mean, it's, it's important for us to just say, that's weird. Can we do that together? Actually, just acknowledge, so let's all say that's weird. Let's go. That's weird. Okay. It's, it's weird. Okay. It's weird. And so sometimes I feel like, uh, Christians and Bible people, we're, we're guilty of like not acknowledging when things are extremely uh, not normal. Like people don't generally, uh, get swallowed by a big fish and then go on mission trips for Jesus. And then this plant grows and it's it get eaten by a worm. Like that's weird. But here's the thing. This is also the God who created the universe. And we talked several weeks ago about s- several reasons why I believe this is totally a believable historic time and story. Um, but it's weird. As he's sitting under this plant, this is the first time that Jonah is happy. Did you notice that? The plant grew up, and he was in the shade, and it said, and Jonah was happy. It was the first time, and and I think there's a reason for that. I think the reason that Jonah is happy is because this is also the first time in the story where he was comfortable. Anybody like to be happy and comfortable at the same time? Very rarely do the two not meet, right? If I'm uncomfortable, I'm unhappy. You're the person right now who's going, man, when's church over, right? It's a little sweaty out here. I'm uncomfortable. And to be honest, I'm a little unhappy right now, right? And so I'm right there with you. And this is Jonah, and, and he, but he finds some happiness. Did you notice that when he, that God provided the leafy plant? It didn't just grow like on its own accord. This is interesting. I, I bet that Jonah, uh, he, he was a good Jew. I mean, he was a good Jewish man. I, I'm, I'm guessing that even when the plant grew up, I bet you he even said a prayer. Thank, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this plant. So I don't know, it's not written in there. I made that up, but I think it is. But then, check this out. God provides something else. What does he provide next? A worm. Like sometimes you're like, no, no, God only brings good things. God only gives money in my pocket, and he only heals my sick grandma. That's all God can do. God provides a worm here for Jonah, because there's something Jonah needs to learn. He provides a worm. And I always picture, do you remember the old Disney, uh, Alice in Wonderland, the big caterpillar? I mean, who are you, if you remember that? I, I always picture that worm eating the leafy plant, but it wasn't. I've, it's probably just a little caterpillar. But if you ever had a garden, you know, those little chompers can, they'll destroy a whole tomato plant. Boom, done. And so I, it happens, plant's gone. Now, here, here's the thing. God provided these two. I, I don't know if you've ever sat on the edge of a city, looking into it, maybe across the river from Wilmington, and just waiting for it to be destroyed. If you've ever done that, I would, I would advise you to turn yourself in. <laughs> It's really weird, don't do that. but Jonah has done that. and so uh, but maybe you have had an experience where you've gotten angry at a worm, something that messed up your shade, right? That's where Jonah's sitting. Back in college, I got to go on this awesome two-month missions trip to West Africa. I spent some time in Ghana and Togo. I learned a lot there. But after we were there for about a month, I had to take a trip to the northern part of the country. So I got on this this bus, and this bus was going to be like a four- to five-hour bus ride. And uh, so uh, it was not... A greyhound, okay? This thing, there was no AC. About half the windows didn't go down. And they also did us the great favor of booking about twice as many people onto the bus as there were seats. And so we're like crammed in there. Okay, this was not a comfortable place to sit. Uh, Also, about every half hour, we would just pull over on the side of the road for a bathroom break. And... I mean, there weren't bathrooms. As everyone would get off, and we would just line the streets and right there. That's where we would go to the bathroom. And then we'd get back on. It was like, I mean, this is, this is uh, third world problems, right? And so I was on this bus. Now, that was maybe whine about it enough, right? But I was sitting next to this lady, and she was an older lady, and we shared a bench. It was just like a regular kind of a school bus. And, thanks, Chris. It was like a school bus, and, uh, but she decided she was going to sit like the window was here, and she was going to lay on the window, and she was going to sit like this. There were like four inches for me to sit on. So this is four-hour bus ride, and I'm sitting on the edge of this bench. Have you ever sit in a squatting position for four hours? Miserable. My buddy Aaron was with me. Not Aaron that was up here; a different guy. But he was across the aisle from me. He was sitting with this this uh, this mother, and she had a, like a, a very small baby, and she was nursing the baby the whole time for four hours. If you've ever been a mom, you're like, what? But um, that's what's happening. And here's the thing: I'm all for mama's milk. Right. Good stuff. But this baby was sitting there with no diaper on. okay, for four hours. And so my buddy, he's sitting there and his baby's just like going to the bathroom on him for four hours. And so I was real quick, like, well, at least I got this cool seat with the lady who don't want to share. But so here's the thing for four hours now. We're you got to keep in mind, we are basically missionaries. We're here for our whole summer. We have gone to talk about God's love and share God's love. Let me let me tell you a, a secret that I learned about myself this week as I remembered this trip. While I was sitting with this lady and my friend was over here groaning about this lady, not once did it occur to me to talk to these ladies about God. Not once. Not once did it occur to me to even ask them about their life or how they were doing or maybe did you just need the whole seat? Maybe she had a bad back and she just needed to lay down. Or maybe the mom just needed someone to hold the baby. Not once though. You know why? Because I was uncomfortable, man. That worm was, was chewing up that leafy plant, and I was not feeling it. And right in that moment, all I, you've experienced it too. It's the moment when you go into a coffee house, and there's a really long line, and you're way more concerned about how much longer the line is than the people in the line or the poor barista at the counter who's trying to keep up. Or when you go into a restaurant, and the waiter or waitress, waitress got your, 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 your stuff wrong, And you're going to throw a fit and all you can think about is how you're going to talk to the manager and you haven't even asked yourself, I wonder what this waiter or waitress is going through. I'm not throwing you under the bus. This is me too. Maybe that person is on their third job for the day and they're just trying to get off to get little Timmy to soccer practice and they're distracted and sorry that they didn't get your Dr. Pepper, right? But so often we get focused on our own comfort and we get angry at the wrong people and we miss out on a mission from God. That God has someone right there in front of us that we can talk to. Here's the thing, God is not against our comfort at all. Many times he provides exactly what we need. God is not against our comfort unless it gets in the way of his calling. And at that point, there's a problem. He blesses us, but he doesn't want that blessing to get in the way of our obedience to him. So Jonah gets comfortable and he loses sight of what God's doing and he can't see that God wants to use him with the people that he's got right there in Nineveh. So he goes out and he sits on the edge of the city and he starts to pout. And, and he's laying on the ground. And he's crying because he's lost his plant. And he's crying because of this crazy sunburn he's getting. And he says he'd rather be dead. And he's actually feeling suicidal about this whole plant situation. <laughs> and when you put things in perspective, you're like, silly, Jonah. But I got to ask myself, is that me? We keep reading in verse 9. And God says, Jonah, do you have any right to be angry at me about the plant? And Jonah's still pouting. He says, I do. I do have the right to be mad. And Jonah has lost all patience with God. And he's showing something here. This is a lesson that I think I've picked up and I've learned. That victims of self-pity won't hesitate to defend their negative attitude. (laughs) Victims of self-pity will not hesitate to defend their negative attitude. It's okay for me to feel this way. But God doesn't give up on Jonah. And this is huge for us today. Because we might look at the story, and if this is a choose your own adventure book, this is where I'm going. This is the part where God just kicks Jonah to the curb and says, forget you. I got other people. But he doesn't forget about Jonah. Even when Jonah's acting like a four-year-old, God does not give up on him. Instead, he comes and he teaches him. And in verse 10, he says, listen, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. Jonah, this plant is mine. It says my plant. I provided it. I thought it up. I caused it to grow. And I'm glad you enjoyed it. But you had nothing to do with this plant. It's mine to worry about, not yours. You don't have to worry about making it stay alive. You didn't have to fertilize it. Is it okay for you to be mad at me? This is my plant. I did what it, with it what needed to be done with it. And in verse 11, we found out that the leafy plant was actually an object lesson. It's almost a one-to-one ratio, apples-to-apples metaphor for what's happening with Jonah and Nineveh in verse 11. He said, and should I not have also concern for that great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, should I not be concerned for that great city? You don't think I noticed that they were wicked people? You don't think I noticed that they were straying away from me? You don't think I noticed that they needed to be punished? They're my plant. I'm heartbroken over them, Jonah. How dare you sit out here and poke out your lip and throw a temper tantrum while I'm doing work with my creation? Jonah, this life is not about you, it's not about you and your entitled attitude. It's not about you and your prejudice. It's not about you and your racism. It's not about you and your unforgiveness. This is a broken world created by God. And he said, this is, this is about me. And it's about me helping them find a solution to a spiritual problem. And I love how he ends this book. This is actually the last phrase of the book. He says, should I not be concerned for that great city? And the book ends there. You know, That's the last we hear from Jonah. And I wonder what happened that day. It's not a choose your own adventure book, but we could guess. Maybe Jonah did change his attitude. Maybe he did decide to stick around. Maybe he did go back into Nineveh and teach the new believers more about the God that he knew more about. We don't know for sure what happened to Jonah's heart, but let me tell you this. The book ends on that note, and I tell you this is what we learned. We don't know what happened in Jonah's heart, but we know exactly what was going on in God's heart. That God cared for the people of Nineveh. Should I not also be concerned about that great city? We get so focused on temporary stuff that we lose sight of eternal things. We get so focused on the here and the now and the how much money is in my pocket or my bank account or my paycheck that we lose sight of what's happening in the spiritual realm and what's going on with my soul and how can I help my coworkers and my children and my spouse grow closer to God? How can I get myself Closer to God, God wants us to be concerned with eternal things. I, I want to go on a little trip with you, real quick, uh, a little imaginary journey. Um, this word, Choose Your Own Adventure book. Go with me to this little, uh, this little bistro, little coffee house area, I don't know. And we're in heaven, okay? And we're sitting at this little round table. Where we're with uh, Jesus and maybe, I don't know, the Apostle Peter and another guy. And we look at his little name tag. It says, hello, my name is Jonah. You're like, dude, I read your book. Dude, you, you suck. <laughs> Sorry, man. But like, you made it. Sweet, right? So he's there. And this, this thing happens. And, and we're sitting there and we're talking about, you know, heavenly things. And we're really mostly just looking at Jesus like, dude, you're way cooler than we ever thought. And this person walks into the coffee house and he just walks in. And, and it looks like he's coming straight at you, okay? And you're like, I don't, I don't know if I know this person. You know that moment where, like, someone's coming at you and you don't... Re- did our kids play soccer together? I can't remember. I don't remember who you are. And they walk, but they're not coming to you. They veer right past you and they go to Jonah. They stick their hand out and they go, you're Jonah, right? Jonah looks up. It's clear that Jonah doesn't recognize them either. Jonah says, "Uh, um, yeah, Jonah, good to meet you. Hey, listen, you don't know me, uh, but my parents lived in Nineveh. You remember that time you went to Nineveh? I don't know. You probably did a lot. You probably don't remember that. Jonah's like, yeah, I totally remember Nineveh. Yeah, uh, my parents were there and they were actually on the front row that day you were teaching and wow, it changed their life and it changed my family. It changed my dad. I mean, he used to abuse my mom and well, I don't know what it was about what you said but man, he turned and like, so they started talking about this guy that you told them about and, and Jonah's blown away and you're like, oh, and he's like, yeah, and thanks, just once, so I'm here now and, and you're Jesus. Thank you so much. So the guy turns and right behind him is another person. It's a lady this time. Are you Jonah? Jonah's like, yeah. Listen, you might not remember me, but I was in Nineveh. And I was there, and I was an old lady at the time, but I've got my new body now. And wow, it's great. And I heard your story, and I told all my friends about the message of your God. And Jonah is drop jaw, like, "Uh uh-huh. Jesus! And she gets to meet Jesus. And then you look, and kind of behind that lady, and around the corner, and out the door, and down the sidewalk, there's like 120,000 people lined up, and they're all there to say thanks to Jonah. Jesus is like, we think about that plant now. (laughs) I don't know if that's how it plays out. I don't know. It'd be awesome. But I want there to be a day when I get to sit across the table from Jesus. And where someone comes to me and says, listen, I know you didn't want to go. I know you didn't want to talk. I I know there was that time we were friends. We've been friends since high school. And there was that time you just sent me that Facebook message. It just reminded me. And it led to this whole conversation, and you don't know, but I started going to church that next week, and I met this person, and they introduced me to to, to Jesus, and it changed my life, and I just want to tell you thanks. And and I don't know if this will help you or not, but I want you to know, guys, uh, I'm I'm a pastor, right? That's my job. Like, I'm a professional Christian. Uh, I want you to know I'm not the greatest at it. In fact, I moved here with my family and a couple other people to start this church. And in September, our church family will turn three years old. But I got to tell you, there were years where I kicked and screamed against that. I didn't want to come. Had a cushy job. I got my friends here from Greenville right now. I was with them hanging out in Greenville. And I I loved where I was in Greenville. I didn't want to come. Had a plan. My kids were going to be there. We owned a house there, all this stuff. I didn't want to go. I'm so glad that I did. But still every day. I feel this little pride and I'll meet somebody new in a coffee house or in the community or, or my kids are in an extracurricular and I meet a parent and I'm just like, you know, I wonder if those person know about God's love. I wonder if those people attend church. I wonder if they know Jesus. And I still, to this day, I get those butterflies. I'm like, come on, send somebody else. Come on. Like, yeah, I, did, I preached last week. I did the whole book of Jonah. I'm like, what else you want me to do, God? And if you've ever felt that, look, that's, that's, that's just the battle. That's what it is. It's just, it's the battle. And, and there are times where we run from God. But if we will turn back and get on a path with him and say, God, I want to be more concerned with eternal things than I am with temporary things. Guys, we could turn this city upside down. We could take all the craziness that's happening in our news and all of a sudden there'd be news anchors going, I don't know what's happening, but people are getting baptized left and right. There's no more riots in the street and we don't even need a president anymore. So we're good. Yeah. I said I wasn't going to get political. (laughs) When we shine light, specifically the light of Jesus, into dark places, it changes people. It turns their life upside down and it makes them live a life worth living and a life worth replicating. And the people around them see that and they'll still get the butterflies and they'll still run and they'll still dive into the mouth of a fish. But if we continue to turn back from God, to God, He will continue to remind us, don't you think I care about this city? Don't you think I care about your cousin, that uncle that you're worried about, that coworker? That neighbor that maybe you've tried to talk to and they just they're a jerk. Don't give up on them. Your spouse, your kid. Don't give up on them. Focus on the eternal. As far as it comes to me, I just look at everything that I've got in my life, and I'm blessed. I'm a blessed man. I've got a beautiful wife and beautiful, healthy kids, and I love our city and I love my friends, and it's good. It was so easy for me to just sit back and go, whew, football season's about to start. Kick my feet up and call it a day. But I got to remind us of something that I was reminded of this week. We can't take any of that with us to heaven. In fact, there's only one thing that we can take with us to heaven. And that's other people. If you're here today and it's your first time, maybe you came with a friend and you're just like, man, I don't even know about this heaven stuff. This guy actually believes in the fish story, so I'm not even sure. (laughs) Can I encourage you to do something? Put your mind on the eternal, okay? Just the spiritual, at least. Maybe you don't even believe in eternal, but it's hard to deny that there's at least a spiritual, right? (laughs) And let's set our mind on that. And and I want to invite you to do something. Come hang out with us one more time. Every single week we meet at Alderman Elementary School at 10 o'clock. Come hang out with us. Get pl- plugged in some people. You're dealing with some vices, some addictions, some problems. Awesome. So are we. <laughs> We're working through them. But I want to encourage you to set your mind on the spiritual, set your mind on the eternal. If you've been doing the Jesus thing for a little while, at least dabbling with it and pretending because you go to church and you like doing the checklist, that's awesome. You're taking some steps. Here's what I ask you to do: focus on the eternal. And begin to ask yourself this question who can I take with me? Or who is it that maybe I don't want to talk to that God's calling me to speak to? This is a book that's about a man whose life is on the run, but it's not just about Joan, and it's not just about a big fish, it's about a big God. Let me pray for you guys today. Lord, you're good, and uh, it's amazing what we can learn from uh, a fish story. Um, I just pray for our community, our city, as uh, we continue to face troubling times, hard times. But that we don't try to deal with the issues through violence or through political rhetoric. But instead that we try to turn the hearts of your people back to you. Lord, I pray for our church family as we just try to be love agents. As we try to leave uh, this park and go out into our city and just continue to shine your light. Um, Help people to know you. Help people to experience you. Help people to love you. Thank you for this beautiful weather. For holding off the rain. And uh, we ask for... uh, Blessing as we can turn continue to walk towards you every day. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.